This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, January 8th, 2012. Identity. This week's message being given by Lori Brown, pastor of spiritual formation for Connection Community Church. I don't know the date, but I know it was sometime before my first birthday when my parents brought me forward to be baptized as an infant. I have no memory of it, nor do I even remember being part of a church family. You see, my family just stopped going to church when I was around six years old, which, by the way, today is one of my dad's greatest regrets as a 72-year-old man. In my family, when the subject of religion came up after that, my dad would say we were atheists. I wasn't totally sure what that meant, but I knew it had something to do with not believing in God. For the next 38 years, I didn't give my baptism another thought. Now let's be clear, even though I didn't remember it, God never forgot. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, we just thank you for today. We thank you again for Fiona and Kyle and Rachel and their family. Lord, we thank you for the gift of grace through the water of baptism. Lord, we ask that right now you would um, open all of our hearts really wide to receive the message that you have for each one of us today, Lord. Speak to our hearts and transform them. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today we look at the book of Mark, which is found in the New Testament of the Bible, and we're going to look at chapter 1, specifically the first 11 verses, which read, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. Read it with me. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Say it with me. You are my son, whom I love, with you 
I am well pleased. Now, I just love the way that Mark begins this book because he doesn't mince words and he tells us exactly what we're reading. The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. He begins with Jesus as a grown man, however, not as a baby in the manger. He begins with the story of Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan, not with the story of Jesus' miraculous birth. So what happened to those parts of the story? What about Mary and Joseph, the angels, the shepherds, and the magi? Does Mark not know about these things? Well, of course he knows about them. So why does he start here? Well, this is a new beginning. It's the beginning of Jesus stepping into his God-given identity as the long-promised Messiah. It's after his baptism that his public ministry is initiated, and it's the beginning of him being revealed to the rest of the world as Messiah, Son of God. So from the time of his birth until now, Jesus has humbly submitted himself to the authority of his parents. Kids, you might want to listen to that. The law that was given by God through Moses, adults, you might want to listen to that. The government and to God. He has lived among common, ordinary people, just like you and I, For 30 years, not among the elite and powerful. He has been known as Jesus, an ordinary Hebrew boy, and now a man, the son of Joseph, a carpenter. So Mark's gospel begins here because he wants his readers to be clear and to understand from the very beginning, this is not the story of Jesus, the son of Joseph, a carpenter. It's the beginning of the story of Jesus, Son of God, Messiah. How cool is that? So Mark begins to make the connection for us right away. He quotes the prophetic words of hope that were spoken by the prophets in the Old Testament. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist coming in the wilderness is what fulfills these prophetic words of hope spoken by Isaiah. You might remember Alan Carey preaching about this during the Advent season as we looked at the great expectations that the people had about the way. It's here that we looked how we are to prepare our hearts for the way of the Lord. Now, we next find John in the wilderness as we continue with verse 4. Why don't you say it with me? And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Note the use of the word appeared. Like John the Baptist just happened to appear in the wilderness. 
his appearing was more like a divine appointment from God. It was God's provenient grace working in the world that brought him to this point in time to preach a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, grace is God's unconditional love for each one of us. Provenient grace simply means the grace of God that goes before us, and it's God's grace, God's provenient grace that continues to woo us, like it'll continue to woo Fiona in the direction of the Lord. And so we are told that crowds of people came from everywhere. We read in verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing of cam- made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. Can you imagine being in the crowd of men, women, and children that are coming from all over the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem to confess their sins and be baptized by John in the Jordan River? Now, you know that a lot of times when we talk about confessing our sins here at Connection, we usually speak of it in terms of us talking to God about the things, the sin, the junk in our lives that gets in the way of our relationship with God. So one of the more formal ways for us to do this is by saying a prayer of confession. Now, one that I love to say from time to time is the following. And would you say it with me? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So this prayer really helps me not forget the extent, how wide my brokenness is. As left to my own devices, I have a tendency to minimize my own sin. Now there's also something very peculiar about this scene that we're going over. Is why are the people coming into the wilderness to John in the first place. Aren't the people supposed to go to the temple in Jerusalem, bringing their animal sacrifice so they can receive forgiveness of their past sins? Well, by the time of John's coming, the temple leaders had become pretty corrupt. We read about this later in the 11th chapter of Mark, and this is where Jesus enters the temple for the first time during his public ministry. He's angered by what he sees. People buying and selling, money changers, and merchandise. He doesn't find a a house of prayer that offers hope and forgiveness, but instead finds what? 
a den of robbers, right? That's why the people are flocking to John. They're hungry. They are so hungry for God. And there's nothing at the temple that continues to feed their souls and points them to the Almighty. So the other interesting thing for us to note here is that John calls all the people to be baptized, both Jews and Gentiles alike. Gentiles are just non-Jewish. That's what they call them. Like, Dave calls me a Gentile. (laughs) Dave is Jewish. My husband's Jewish, for those who don't know. So I'm a Gentile. (laughs) Now, this is pretty amazing, however, because Jewish law required that only Gentile, non-Jewish converts to Judaism, and those who were ceremonial, ceremonially unclean were the ones who needed to go through a ritual washing, what they called at that time, for purity. So John is essentially saying that all are unclean and defiled, including Israel, and all need to repent and be baptized. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Say the rest of this with me. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John tells the people, I'm not it. I'm not the one, but it's the one who comes after me that will be more powerful than I. John baptizes with water, but God baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we baptize today, we baptize with water. But it is God who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Baptizing with the Holy Spirit is something that happens to believers after they've accepted Christ in their hearts. For some, it's felt as like an immediate and powerful feeling. And for others, like me, it's occurred as a more gradual feeling over time. So the water in, the bapt- in baptism is the outward and visible sign of God's inward and invisible grace that's given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the primary actor in baptism, not us. That's why baptism is done once in our lifetime. What God has done does not need to be redone. So as we continue, the next verse in Mark, I think, are some of the most remarkable. Read this next line with me. At that time... Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus is just another face in the crowd. He doesn't stand out. He fits in with the masses. He doesn't announce his arrival. He gets in line to be baptized with men, women, children, Jews, and Gentile alike, people who desire to repent of their sins and turn towards the Lord. 
So one question that might begin to arise in our minds here is why? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, be in line for and submit to a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins by John the Baptist? Well, let's explore that for a minute. Now, I mentioned earlier that according to Jewish law, only Jews who were defiled were required to receive what they called a ritual washing. We know Jesus was without sin and was not defiled, so he did not need to be ceremonially purified, tough word, by baptism and repenting of his sins. So even when we turn to the other Gospels of John, Matthew, and Luke that are found in the New Testament, we also don't get a whole lot of answers there. So we ask, why? Why was Jesus one of the faces in the crowd that day? Now, I believe it has to do with both his humanity and his divinity, with him being both fully God and fully human. In his humanity, he walked into the water that day as Jesus, son of Joseph, a carpenter. And he walked out, stepping into the identity that was given to him at his birthright as Jesus, son of God, the Messiah. Even though he was, not, even though he was without sin and did not need to repent and turn towards God, his baptism does represent a pivotal turning. From this point forward, his old identity as son of man, and he steps into his new identity as son of God. For me, this is where Jesus identifies himself with everyone, men, women, children, Jew and Gentile alike, you and me, through the water of baptism. In his divinity, his baptism marks the beginning of his public ministry and God establishing the new covenant with the people, of which baptism would soon become a public sign of entrance into the community of believers. So, for instance, when we baptize today, we say that through baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. Now, an amazing thing happens next. While Jesus is being baptized, and we read about this in verses 10 through 11, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, a voice from, came from heaven. Say it with me. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Heaven torn open. Pretty incredible. Now, the Greek word here for torn in this verse is used only six times in the New Testament. And each time 
it is used, it refers to a supernatural tearing. Mark uses this word twice in the gospel. Here and again at Jesus' death on the cross. In Mark 15, 37 through 38, we read, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how Jesus died, he said, say it with me, Surely this man was the Son of God. You know, it's pretty ironic that at Jesus' death, it's the curtain in the temple of God that tears. And the significance of this curtain for us is that it represents part of our separation from God as a result of our sin. The tearing of the curtain is a reminder of us of two things. First, it's a sign that access to God is now becoming open and available to all. And that's the good news for us. And secondly, that this access comes at a really high price. Jesus had to die. So in baptism, it's also a representation of our dying to our old selves and being made new. Jesus is our model for baptism. When we are baptized, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We publicly claim our God-given identity as sons and daughters of God. That's what I did when I reaffirmed my baptism some 38 years later. It was here that I and we profess our faith openly to the body of Christ and symbolically turn towards God, leaving our old life behind. We begin walking as sons and daughters of the living God. Now there's something really powerful about publicly declaring that you're turning away from your old life and making a vow to turn towards God. For me, that meant turning away from a life that offered emptiness and false hope and turning towards a life that brings fulfillment, joy, challenge, comfort, peace. I reaffirmed my baptism shortly after giving my life to Christ. I think this was one of the first times in my life that I ever publicly stood for anything. And the cool thing is, is when we do stand in that identity, we stand with Christ, we do not stand alone. We stand with the many, even you guys, that have gone before us, including Jesus. So the question for us today is, where are you standing? I'm reminded of a saying that goes something like this. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? You guys have heard that one too. Good. So where does your identity come from? Does it come from your possessions? A title? A job, your looks, 
other people or God? Have you stepped into your true identity that was given to you at your birthright as a son or daughter of the living God? Have you stood and walked through the water of baptism, publicly professing your faith or by reaffirming your faith? Are you standing with Christ? And if not, what are you waiting for? It's a glorious life. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your unconditional love for each one of us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your provenient grace that goes before us. Lord, we thank you for divine appointments. Lord, right now I ask that if we are, each one of us, to examine our hearts, if we are not fully standing, Lord, in the identity that was given to us at our birthright, that we would stand today as sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, I just um, pray that you would strengthen us through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to all of us in our baptisms. And if there are those that are sitting out here, Lord, that have not been baptized yet, we just pray that someday they will step into that. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.